Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome to church, everyone. Like Rhonda said, my name's Matt uh, and I'm on the pastoral team here at C3 Monash. So if I haven't met you, how you doing? I'm Matt and... Um, and today I'm continuing our series on uh, uh, Enlightened. Uh, and uh, who's been out into Enlightened out in, in Canberra at the moment? Wow, we don't, travel, we don't travel north, do we, Southsiders? Gee whiz. So anyway, Enlightened's on. I've actually never been. I've been to the noodle markets, but then I didn't go and see the other things. But my wife and I have a date night this Wednesday night, so maybe we'll head out date night and uh, we'll go see Enlightened, which will be really cool. But, um, and this is our key uh, portion of scripture here in, in Ephesians one uh, 15 to 18. And, and today uh, I'll be preaching out of this, this passage. And this message is a bit of a call to action. It's a bit of an action, you know, like the action Bible. It's a bit of an action message. And the, the title of my message is Open the Eyes of Your Heart. Open the Eyes of Your Heart. Um, and so what happens is in Ephesians 1, uh, if you don't have a favorite passage of Scripture, or maybe uh, you're like, I don't really, I don't know, check out Ephesians 1. It is the ultimate. It is very, 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 very good. And uh, uh, the, the, book of Efe- the letter of Ephesians is written by Paul. It's a prison letter, and it's a circular letter. So it went to Ephesus, and then from there, it, the letter was passed around to all the different churches all over the place. So it kind of shows that Ephesians 1, Paul wanted to want the Ephesians, but also everybody else to know what is written in this thing. Okay, so Ephesians 1, I'll just give you some... Uh, you know, a bit of a highlight reel of what it says. It says uh, that we are given every spiritual blessing, that God chose us before the creation of the world, that we are holy and blameless in His sight, that we are adopted and have a glorious inheritance, that God's grace was freely given to us, so much so that it was lavished on us, that we are redeemed, that we are forgiven, that we are God's possession. How cool is that? That is so cool. And when you read that passage and you start highlighting all the good stuff, you realize that you've highlighted the whole thing. It is absolutely fantastic. And Paul, like I said, it's a circular letter. It wasn't a letter to a particular church. It was a letter to go everywhere. He wanted everybody to know that you are redeemed, that you are forgiven, that you are made right, that you are holy and blameless, that you are chosen before the creation of the world. And I feel like when Paul wrote the letter, you know those people, like my wife, I say, you look good today. And she goes, oh, I'm okay. I look all right. If you're like, you look really good. I wish you could see what I could see. You know, you just go, oh, you know. But And I, Paul is almost saying, in writing this, almost going, I want you to know this. I want to shake you. I want you to get a deeper wisdom and revelation of what this actually is for who you are in Christ. Okay, and then, but uh, fast forward on my message a little bit because we're, it's all good. I always speak fast, right? Um, but he says that the eyes of your heart to be open, to see what God, he wants us to see what God sees in us and who we are in Christ, uh, which is awesome that God sees me as holy and blameless in Christ, that God sees me redeemed, God, God is forgiven me, that he's chosen me, that he knows me. How cool is that? But the cool thing is, is that he's chosen me and redeemed me and forgiven me, that I'm God's possession, but you are too. How cool is that? That there's people in your workplace that God values, that Jesus came and died for them, that, that God loves them, that he created them, that he knows them. They might not know him, but he knows them. How cool is that? But I don't know about you, but sometimes I find in my life that I see myself like that, but I don't see others like that. I get a little bit on my high horse, I get a little bit self-righteous, kind of think that I'm better than, who I, than what I really am. Sometimes I see people different through my own sin, 
my self-righteousness, my humanness. And I don't quite sometimes see people the way God sees people. I see them the way I see them, which is not good. And as I was reading this portion of Scripture, I'll just read out Ephesians 1, 15 to 18. It says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart. What an interesting concept that Paul touches on. That your heart has eyes. That you and I have eyes of our heart. Are the eyes of your heart open or are they closed? Are the eyes of your heart distorted? Are they open or are they closed? Are you walking around with a dark or a blind heart? Pastor David Guzek says this, Some people have eyes with no heart. Some have heart with no eyes. God has called us to have heart and eyes, to see with our heart and to see with our eyes. I ask myself this question a lot. Do I really love people or do I love people that just like me? Yeah, who's asked that question before? Do I really love people or just love people that like me back? Do I really love the unlovable? Do I live doing what I want to do or am I really living like God's called me to live? Are the eyes of my heart open? Am I seeing people with my eyes and not with my heart? I love how Andrew shared in, the, in, the, the, in this morning how he said that Connect Group, when you share your heart, people don't just go, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll pray for you. They go, oh, Andrew, man, that really sucks. They see with their heart. They get involved in your life and they can speak into it. People are seeing with their heart. You know, just the other day, and I'll give you some examples of what I mean. The other day I dropped off my son Rocky at a daycare uh, preschool and uh, it was a hot day. I think it was Tuesday. Oh, no, it was Monday. Really, really hot. And there was a kid there wearing pants. And it was so hot. And I said to my wife, these kids wearing pants. What sort of parents are dressing this kid in pants? Like, it's so hot. It's clearly hot. And this kid, poor kid's in pants. And I was just like, whatever. Because I was like, how good am I? I brought my kid in shorts. I wanted to feel good about myself, right? And then um, we got home and we were hanging out. I said to Sam, how about those parents bringing those kids in pants? Can you believe that? Can you believe it? And then, I, and then I said, oh, actually, do you know what? Maybe they had a morning like we had where it's like, Rocky, go to school. I don't want to go to school. No, go to school. Go to, if you go to school, I'll give you one chocolate. Oh, yeah, go. maybe two chocolates. By the end of that, I dropped him off in shorts, but he's got 10 chocolates now. So maybe they had the same morning I had. Get off your high horse, Matt. You drop your kid off in shorts and you give him 10 chocolates. Maybe they had a day of the kid wanted to wear pants. I said, do you know what? Just, just wear pants. Just, just, just go to school. Right, But see, what I was doing was this thing with my eye. I want to see how good I am. Dad of the year, right? I want to see how good I am by judging somebody else. I don't know nothing about what their morning was like. don't know who they are. Maybe they don't have enough money to have shorts. Who, I don't know. But what am, who am I to judge someone like that? You know, I remember uh, I teach judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and you know, a little bit of MMA, the cage fighting stuff. And um, there's a girl that's pretty popular. And people are like, oh, do you like so-and-so? I was like, oh, no, she's so annoying. Man, she's so arrogant. Oh, she's the worst. Like, I just, you know. And then I watch a documentary on her. You know, dad committed suicide at 15. She had to walk in on it. You know, she had a horrible life. And here I am going, oh, I can't believe I judge this. Here I am saying, oh, she's arrogant. I know nothing about her. I know nothing about her life, what she's been through. I'm just seeing with my eyes. I'm actually not seeing with my heart. Why? Because I 
think that I'm better than I really am. Because it's our sin in our life to, to, and my humanness to be judging others. And so uh, how can you see with your heart? How can you have open eyes? And the first thing I think we need to do is recognize your own faults, your own sin. The fact is that we are all, as Dallas Willard puts it, we're all magnificent ruins. We were once magnificent, but we are just broken people. Like that prophecy this morning, we're just broken messes that Jesus is slowly putting us back together by his grace and his goodness as we journey with him. He highlights things in our life and he just builds us back together. Back together. That I'm just a one magnificent ruin. And by the grace of God, do I have anything good in my life? It's because of him and his goodness. That his forgiveness of my sin actually had nothing to do with what I did. Not how many times I preached, not how many times I run kids' church or connect group or play touch football or talk to people or give money. It's got nothing to do with it. My, the goodness of God and the grace of God is on his goodness and on what he did for us, not anything that I could do. That God's love, like that song, what is it? Madly in love with you. That God is madly in love with you and I. Despite all our shortcomings and faults, He loves us anyway. How good is the God that we serve? That God knows that I'm not perfect and He loves me anyway. By recognizing our own shortcomings, we can help as we accept God's grace on us, we can then pass that grace to others. That yeah, that person's kid didn't, wear, didn't have pants on, but at least they got their kid to school. How awesome is that? Or whatever it may be. But I'm constantly learning to like, I accept God's grace for me, but I need to give God's grace to others as well. Brennan Manning, who wrote the Ragamuffin Gospel. Uh, I don't know if you've read it. Fantastic book. Uh, and he always refers to himself as a ragamuffin. I'm just a burnout, kick to the curb sort of dude that God loves. And he was a pastor. Then he had a divorce. He became an alcoholic. And he writes this. When I get honest, I admit... I'm a bundle of paradoxes. I believe and I doubt. I hope and I get discouraged. I love and I hate. I feel bad about feeling good. I feel guilty about not feeling guilty. I am trusting and I'm suspicious. I'm honest and I still play games. Aristotle said that I'm a rational animal. I say I'm an angel with an incredible capacity for beer. To live by grace means to acknowledge my whole life story, the light side and the dark. In admitting my shadow side, I learn who I am, and what's God's, what God's grace really means to me. When we learn about who we are and how sinful we are and the shadowy side, we can actually see how far God went to save us, that he went through the mess to save us. In Luke 7, we see, and the title in the NIV uh, Bible will be um, uh, Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman. And it's a story of a, a woman that came in, a sinner, and she, she decked him out in perfume and she wiped his feet with her hair. And Simon Peter said, you know, what's going on here? And, he just, and Jesus says, she knows how sinful she was and that she's been forgiven much. And whoever is forgiven little, forgives little. And so one way we can open our hearts is to look at yourself and realize that you haven't got it all together. I don't have it all together as a dad. And that parent didn't have it all together as a parent either. But guess what? It's all good. God loves us anyway. That as I look at myself and accept God's grace to me, I can pass that grace to others. So the first way is to recognize and look at yourself before others. The second way to open the eyes of your heart is to engage your heart. You know, I was talking to Sarah Hill uh, ages ago about prayer. And she said, um, whenever I pray to someone, 
uh, for someone. They'll come down and they'll, they'll say, I need some prayer for this. Is that me and my microphone? Why is that? Oh, okay. You just yell out at me. How's that? Who knows? Maybe I blow bubbles in my cheeks and it smashes the thing. Uh, who knows? Uh, and, and Sarah Hill said, whenever someone comes down for prayer and they say, I want prayer for this, she goes, I don't just pray. She goes, I put my hand on them and I stop and I listen and I feel. And then I feel what it would be like to be in their shoes. And then I pray. See, she stops. She feels. She engages her heart. And then she prays. She gets to the place of empathy, a place of understanding. She's engaging the heart. It's not just words. It's the heart connection that then boosts, not boosts the prayer, but you're getting, you're getting into their, their shoes. You're getting into their shoes. She's not praying with her eyes, but she's praying with her heart. Have you ever asked God to open the eyes of your heart? Maybe you do this really well. Maybe like Matt, I mean, I'm always on it. I'm always seeing people's pain. I'm always talking to them about it. And that's awesome. So keep it up. But maybe you're like me. Like, I didn't know I had eyes in my heart. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, then you can pray, God, reveal to me that, what am I looking at with my heart? Am I looking at people with my eyes or am I looking with my heart? You know, a few months ago, it was last year, um, uh, and I was at Arendelle, and, uh, and there was a guy begging for money. And, uh, and I was with Rocky, and we, I can't remember whether they gave the guy money or not. I'm not sure. But I... Went home and uh, put Rocky to bed and whatever else. And then I was in bed and uh, I was like, God, like, why should I give that guy money? And that was what I said. And then uh, God said, because he's someone's Rocky and Rocky's my son. And I was like, oh, man, that guy's someone's Rocky. Like, man, like I just felt like I was seeing with my eyes, a person. Yeah, cool, he's a person. But when, he's, when God said that someone's rocky, it hit home to me that that person is someone's son, someone's dad, someone's friend, someone's cousin, someone's uncle. That person's a person that God loves, you know? And so for me, it was, it was, it was a, an opening thing that I, I saw a person, but then I saw a person. I saw God's son, just like my own, there. Jesus' heart was never closed. It was always open, wide open. He saw the pain in people's eyes and lives. Are the eyes of your heart open or closed? Or maybe they're a little bit distorted. Maybe you don't know if they're open or closed. Then ask God to open them for you. In the, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, uh, this is the, is the third point, is to take action. To take action on the eyes of your heart. And this story is a really good one. So uh, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side too. Uh, on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. 
Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Now the cool thing with this passage is there's heaps of things in it. The first thing is there's an expert of the law talking to Jesus. He's saying, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Now the Jews, they didn't like the Samaritans. So the story is a good Samaritan. So for the Jews, they're like, what? A good Samaritan? That doesn't exist. They're like, they're mixed breeds. They're like, nah, nah, there's no way they can do anything good. So straight away, Jesus is saying, I don't care who you like and who you don't like. If they're looking after people, they're doing the right things. That's the first one. The second one, it's interesting that Jesus says that the priest came by. And in the message version, it says, luckily, there was a priest on his way. But then he saw him and he angled across the road, it says in the message version, away from the man. And in my son Rocky's uh, book, uh, Kids, you know, Parables of Jesus, it says um, maybe he had someone more, somewhere more important to be. That's what his book says. But either way, there was a priest coming and he left the man alone. The next person that came by was a Levite who they worked in the temple. There, and it's in the message version, it says a religious Levite came by. And he also angled across to the other side of the road and kept going. And both these guys saw with their eyes, but not with their heart. But along comes a Samaritan. A Samaritan. He sees with his eyes and then engages his heart. He sees and went, goes to him and helps him. The Samaritan didn't see a Christian or a non-Christian, a Jew or a Gentile, a tall or short, gay, straight, male, transgender, Aussie, British, Russian, whatever. He just saw a person in need and he helped. And Jesus said, do that and you will live. So as we go about our life this week, and our church does this a lot, and I know all of us, it was just getting back to helping those in need. The cool thing with this story, it was going between Jerusalem and Jericho. They weren't in Jerusalem. They weren't in Jericho. They were in no man's land. And the story is like, well, whose neighbor was it? And Jesus is saying the neighbor is the one who is in, just in, in, your, in your world, in your sphere of influence. Wherever you're walking, you're, the neighbor might be at work. The neighbor might be going to Tuggeron, might be going for a walk around Tuggeron Lake. Wherever it may be, there's that one that is in need. So as we go about our life this week and the weeks to come, take notice of your own faults. Reflect on God's goodness, that despite all our frailties, shortcomings, insecurities, sin, that he died for us. How, that's how much he's madly in love with us. You know, chapter 1 in Ephesians is all about who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us. And Ephesians 2 is all about God's grace. It's by His grace we are saved through faith. It's nothing that we have done so no one can boast. It's not on our goodness but on His goodness. Reflect on that and share that with others. So in closing, who are you seeing but not seeing? Who can you love on, spend time with this week, spend time with this month to talk to? Who can you be Christ to this week? In the Good Samaritan, we see a man look after a man he didn't know, but he looked after him anyway, bandaging his wounds, chucking him on a donkey, giving him an overnight hotel, and saying, I'll pay for whatever expense this guy needs. How much, if he clears out the minibar, I've got it covered. And we also forget when reading this story that the guy got bashed by robbers. It's a dangerous place. Maybe the priest was like, Do you know what? Oh man, there's robbers. That guy got bashed. I'm out of here. Right? But he didn't. The, the Samaritan went, do you know what? This is a dangerous place. 
that guy needs help. I'm going to engage with that person. He was busy, but it was dangerous. Maybe that'll happen to you while you're running around Lake Tuggeranong. Someone's been bashed. You've got to bandage him up, take him to the walk-in center. They say, no, you need to take him to the hospital. Take him to the hospital. Or maybe you need to share a word with someone. Maybe a kind meal, a pat on the back. You're doing a great job. What is the person in need for you this week? Maybe you want to shout someone a date night. You can babysit the kids. Maybe take them to the movies. Maybe make them a meal. Maybe pray for them. Give them a bike. Give them a car. Give them a house. Tell them they're doing a great job. Help them with the groceries. Where are the people in need in your world that you can step out and help? And it'll always be, not always actually, I don't say that. Delete that sentence. Uh, It'll be when you're on the way from one place to another. It's never when you're at home doing nothing. It's when you're like, oh, I'm so busy. You know, and I'll just close with this story. Um, I run judo classes. And when you're, when you're a primary school teacher and kids, you know, they line up in like uh, two lines and there's like 20 of them. And you just, you look down the faces and you go, oh, that kid's sick. You can just tell by their face. You're a parent, you look, you go, what's up with this kid? Are you all right? Oh, I'm just vomiting on the way here or whatever it may be. But in my judo classes, I line them up. And uh, Isaac, he's here somewhere. And, and, and the kids were kneeling down and, and this kid was green. Like he was green, like your T-shirt, buddy. He was like that. And I said, hey, man, let's just call this kid Fred. I was like, hey, Fred, are you, are you feeling all right? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, really? You don't look fine. He's like, yeah, I'm all right. I was like, oh, Isaac, this kid, you reckon he's sick? Isaac's like, yeah, he looks, doesn't look too good. I don't know. He doesn't, are, you, are you sure you're all right? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm going, no, oh, man, something's up with you. And so uh, we started running stuck in the mud. And he was running around, but not really. Like you can tell when kids are fully into it. So I said, hey, man. And it's busy. Like there's kids running everywhere. And, you know, it's, it's busy. And I thought, oh, there's something's up with this kid. So I said, hey, Fred, are you feeling all right? He goes, yeah, I'm all right. I said, you just look a bit off. What's going on? And he goes, oh, just oh, forget about it. Don't worry. I said, no, this is like in the middle. Like kids are running. I was like, what's going on? He goes, oh, I just had a really rough day at school. This kid wants to join my friendship group and we clash all the time and my mum says I should forgive him and he should be in my friendship group. But he's got his own friends. This is kids, by the way, not teenagers. But my teenagers, they carry on worse. But, uh, and then, uh, and then, and he's like, you know, Anyway, so I talked to him. I said, yeah, it really sucks. Like, maybe just talk to the kid. He's like, yeah, I think I'm going to talk to him. Say, you got your group of friends. I got my group of friends. Let's just avoid each other and whatever else. Anyway, but I guess what I want to get at is this kid, was, he was sick, like green, like see-through, like seasick. Then I talked to him. And within five minutes, he's back to full color, back to normal, back to, you know, not sick. And I went home. I said to Sam, I said, just seen this kid. He was green. But then I talked to him. I engaged with my heart and he actually felt better and he looked better. It's only a small thing, but where are the people in your life between Jerusalem and Jericho? Mine was just a conversation. Yours might be a meal, might be a pat on the back. Who knows what it is? But as Christians, we're called to love others, to see others and love others. And the thing is, with the, the biggest thing for me is, my friend Steve Croft said to me, um, I see you be so generous. You always invite me over for dinner and you give me all this stuff. Like, you're so generous. And he said, I've shared this before. And he said, oh, that, that's not generous. I said, really? How's that? You're so generous. And he said, um, because you can pay me back one day. He goes, one day I'll come to your house and you'll do the same thing. He goes, generosity is doing this for someone that will never, ever pay me back. That's generosity. And we see in this story 
The man said, look, I'm going to look after this guy. I'm going to do whatever you want, and I'm going to pay for everything. He didn't say, and then when the guys get better, you're like, hey, man, here's the bill. And Jesus did that for us. Jesus actually died on the cross for us. We can never repay him. Jesus actually died for, for you and I, and we can never repay him back. That's generosity. That's the extravagant gift of Jesus. So who are the ones in your life? Mother Teresa says this, never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest you. And as we draw to a close, what I want to encourage you to do is read Ephesians 1 this week and read Matthew 25. Matthew 25 is all about clothing the sick, feeding the poor, and just loving on people and looking after people. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much. Lord God, that you love us despite our sin, despite our, 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 the black spots, the shadowy side of our life, that you love us anyway, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord God, that you created us, that you know us, and that you saw how far away we were from you, that you sent Jesus to not only be our example, to see how to live, to see how to treat people, and to see how to live, Lord God, but to die for us so that we could reconnect with you, that we could have a relationship with you, that we could inherit eternal life, but more so be full of your Holy Spirit to help us live right, to help us witness to others and to help us just connect with you. So Lord, I pray over this coming week and coming months and our whole life, Lord God, that you help us stop and see the one. Help us see with our heart. Help us engage our heart with the people in and around our life. Help us to see the people from Jerusalem to Jericho. Help us to see the people from Tuggeranong to Gordon, wherever it may be, Lord God. I pray you help us to see people and help us meet their need. Help us to love on them. Help us to show them your love and your grace, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And guys, right now, if, um, if, if you feel like that you're away from God, Maybe that you're like, oh man, I could pray, but God's definitely not hearing me. Or I just feel like I'm so far from God. Or maybe you feel like I am so bad. I've done so much bad stuff that there's no way God can accept me. I just want to let you know that Jesus died to wipe away your sin from the past, present, and future. Okay, past, present, and future. And he did that so we could reconnect with God, that we could have life and life to the full. Okay, so what I thought I'd do is just open up after the service, if you want to pray and say, I just want to say sorry to God. Man, I'm sorry for everything I've done. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I invite you into my heart. Lord, help me to follow you. Help me to live for you. And thank you for being in my Savior. If you want to do that, I'd love to pray for you after the service. Does that sound cool? All right. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.